How many of you, you've read the book or you've heard of the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? And you guys, okay, a lot of you heard about what well, If you haven't, okay, three of you. Okay, but I, let, me, let me just tell you about this book. It's interesting. Um, and, and if you've been married for any length of time, how many know that sometimes marriages can, can get a little rough? Nobody wants to say amen there, especially if you're sitting with your spouse, right? What's interesting about this book is that um, they bring out in this book, what, what, what is your love language? How do you respond in different ways? And it's interesting that Gary Chapman kind of came up with these five things of how we respond to our spouse or, or what is actually our love language. And let me just give you what they are. It's basically love and action. It's something that you do for your spouse that, that kind of fills their love tank. How many love having your love tank filled? Amen. Okay, so let's talk about it. Here are some, and, and, um, and Kathleen, my wife Kathleen and I, we, we have our certain love languages, and, and we try to respond in that way to each other. But let me just give you a couple of these. Um, one is words of affirmation. And what words of affirmation are, it's one way to show love that builds us up. It, it's, it's, it's the simple stuff. It's the you always phrases but used in the opposite way that we normally use them. We usually use the you always in a negative way, don't we? Like, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to cause any fights this early in the morning. But in a way that you can use it in a different way is like, you always make me laugh. Or you always make me smile. Or you always look nice. Or uh, you always work hard. Or you always work it hard at making the home. You know, in our house, it's like I always tell Kathleen, um, you always do the dishes. Um, you always wash the clothes. Wait, are those aren't good ones? Okay, maybe I better switch that. Okay. Um, the, the next one is quality time. Maybe some of you, your love language is like, it's, it's, it's uh, giving this in, individual attention. You like just spending time together. Maybe some of you, the third one is receiving gifts. Some of you like those gifts, right? Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's gifts that can, you know, can say, you know, you're thinking about me. It's, it's, you remembered me. It doesn't have to really cost a lot of money, but it's just a symbol that you're thinking about that, about that person. Some of you like the gift giving. Um, some of you are acts of service where, um, you like when your spouse does things like acts of service. They do projects or just doing things for you that are actual acts of service. And the last one is physical touch. It's holding hands, hugging, kissing. You, you, you like that. Now, let me just give you, you know, what's going on in, in, in my marriage. Give you a little thing. Kathleen um, is, is totally the acts of service. What, what, I'm telling you, when I put my work belt on, I put that tool belt on, things are happening. Okay, she like, well, what are you going to do? What are you doing? Well, you know, what, and, and she likes that. For me, I like, I, I like the physical touch. I love when she grabs my hand, when she hugs me. I, I'm the physical touch kind of, kind of a guy. And so um, these are acts of service. And, and I know like for Kathleen, one time I found her passed out on the kitchen floor. I'm like, what happened? I thought I was going to actually do CPR because she actually saw me unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> With my tool belt on. So it, was, it worked out real well. Um, see, all these, all these types of love languages, uh, they, they, there's a response that we're giving to this person. It, it's, it's something that we have to give up. It's, it's, it's something that we have to do. And if we're generally thinking about someone else, we're actually concerned about them. 
And, and when you do this in a marriage, it actually brings health to a marriage. It's, it's, it's not this battleground of, of getting my way or being taken advantage of. It's, it's, it's really giving to the other person and trying to better the marriage by how you give yourself into that marriage. But now, here's the problem. Here, here's the reality. Let's give the reality check here. Here's the reality check. The reality check is... I know these things and you may even know them. you may even read the book and you say, I know what my love language is. I know what I'm supposed to do. And I know what my spouse likes. And I, I know that when I respond this way to her or him, I know that they, um, that they like that. And that shows that I love them. And I know that I, I need to do that more, but how many know that we, it's something to know and it's something to do. It's actually, we know it, but many times we, we don't do it. And here's the reason why many times we don't do it. How many of us realize that we can tend to be a little selfish? Well, let's just, let's just admit it. Let's just say, I'm a little selfish. Ready? One, two, three. I'm a little selfish. All right, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a little selfish. Okay, just tell them. It's all right. Let's confess to each other. Okay, um, that felt good, didn't it? Did that feel good? We all know we're a little selfish. And, and, and here's the thing we're doing. Here's the thing we're doing. We're, in, we're into this series, why, why We Do What We Do as a Church. And, and what, what I want to dive in today about, about the church of Jesus Christ, about being part of the body of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we struggle with, part of being the body of Christ, is serving each other. And, and that's, that's if, if we're going to be part of the body of Christ, one of the things that we need to understand is that we need to understand what it means to truly serve. And why do we serve? Why is it important? Because we, we talk about serving all the time. And it's like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but then I'm not always doing it. Or, or I don't want to feel guilty about doing it. I want to do it because I want to do it. But, but we know that that's, if we're part of the body of Christ, we need to be doing more than maybe just coming to church. That there actually is this thing that God wants us to be part of his kingdom. God wants us to be actively working in each other's lives. That we are part of this community of believers. That we're serving each other. And when we're doing that, just like this love language, just like serving in your marriage, it brings health and vitality to that relationship. And I believe the church can find great vitality in life when we learn servanthood. And so that's what I want to dig into today. I want to dig into this servanthood. And, and I believe that Jesus shows us through his example what should be at the heart of the body of Christ. So what we do here at Living Word as being part of the body of Christ and the larger body of Christ around the world is that we need to understand what it means to serve. In fact... Jesus shows us this example. And in fact, Jesus, right before he goes to the cross, gives this example to his disciples on what it means to serve and why we should be serving as the body of Christ. Matthew 20, 28 gives the reason for why the son of man came. And it says this, just as the son of man did not come to be what served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Now look at this statement. What serving does is it causes us to look beyond our life and it will actually move us into the will of God. God, We always ask, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? What's the will of God for me? Where should I go? What should I do? Who should I marry? What job should I have? Where should I go? What should I blah, 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 blah. We always ask, can I tell you right now what the will of God is for you? 
The will of God for you is to be a servant. That's God's will. Do you realize no matter where you are or what you do, you can be a servant? That's God's will. That's God's will for you. And, and, and the one thing that has the power to break selfishness in our life, this one thing to break selfishness in our life, to move us from this thing of, ah, do I want to or should I serve, is actually serving. Serving actually breaks selfishness and always looking out for myself. And so the example that we have is Jesus. And so before Jesus goes to the cross, he had this last meal with his disciples. And this last moment with the disciples, Jesus displays for them this unforgettable example of humility and servanthood. In so many words, Jesus is saying, listen, this is the emblem, and this should be the emblem of every follower of me. This should be the emblem of the church. This should be, and, 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 how, we, and how we serve one another, this should be the emblem of the church. So let me read to you what this example that Jesus does for the disciples. And I think some of the best examples are not the ones that are necessarily spoken, but the ones that we exemplify and we actually do. How many know you can talk, 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 but when you actually do it and show it by example, it takes on a much greater effect into our life. And so Jesus, the last meal, right before he goes to the cross, gives this example by doing something, by showing the disciples, the very heart of God and what should be the heart of every disciple of Jesus Christ. So let's look at this. John chapter 13. And I want to look at verses 1 through 5 and 12 through 17. And this is, this is Jesus, the example of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. And so let me read this for you. Starting in verse 1, it says, It was just before Passover feast. Jesus knew that it was time for him to come, leave the world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. This is incredible. Verse two, the evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his Power. That's going to be very important for us to understand in the context of these verses. And that he, he had come from God and was returning to God. And so what does he do? He gets up from the meal and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Drop down to verse number 12. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to the table. And he says, do you not understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You see, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Blessed. blessed if you do them. How many of you in this room want to be blessed by God? Okay, so let's, let's see what God's word has to say about this. See, what's interesting here is no one wanted to do the job. What's, what's more interesting is the position that they wanted in the kingdom of God. And what, what Luke chapter 22 does is give us some more 
interesting insight into the conversation that was actually going on at this meal. And what the conversation that was actually going on in this meal had nothing to do with servanthood. It had, it had nothing to do with how can we serve? Who can be the first one to serve? And so Jesus sees this jockeying for position going on in the room, and he takes this time to drop the bomb among them by saying, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, then you need to do this. Church, can I just tell you, this is a wake-up call for us. This message these words from Jesus, I pray, will redirect our hearts to what really is at the heart of God for each and every one of us. And so what happens here? This dispute breaks out amongst the disciples on who is going to be the greatest. They were thinking that Jesus was going to set up this, this earthly rule, not realizing that, that Jesus is actually going to go to the cross to die for, for their sins. And, and, and what they're trying to do is say, well, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be this? And And Jesus tells him, the greatest among you is the one who does what? The one that serves. Not the one who has the biggest title. Not the one who jockeys for a position. Not the one who steps on someone else to get to the top. He actually said, the greatest among you is going to be the one that serves. And so you see the situation around the table. They're arguing who's going to be the greatest. Judas is going to betray Jesus. Peter's going to deny Jesus. The other disciples are going to desert desert him. And they're all arguing. And what John tells us, In verse 3, that God has put all power under Jesus. All power. And so what does Jesus do? Instead of using his authority and his power to usurp that over them by saying, who do you think you guys are? I'm the son of God. Get over yourselves. What does he do? He takes a towel And drops on his knees and begins to wash their feet. If that was me, I'd want to slap them and say, who do you guys think you are? Get over yourselves. Who's going to be the greatest? But what Jesus does is he sets for them an example of what should be at the heart of every follower of Jesus Christ. And that's not who gets to the top. That's not who runs to see who gets the title or the position. It's the one who runs to grab the towel. Right? Completely opposite of the world's mentality. And that mentality can filter into the church. Well, I'm a teacher. I teach the word of God. I'm greater than it. Not here. It's the one who runs to grab the towel. So here the son of man, God himself, grabs the towel, wraps it around him, and takes this place of a servant. So instead of striking them dead, which he could have done because he had the power to do it, what does he do? He serves them. He serves them. He doesn't usurp this power over them. I used to try to do, when our kids were younger, I used to, when they were not acting right, you know, I used to pretend like, I'm going to, you know, if you guys don't act right now, I used to take my belt. You know, you can snap your belt like that. And they'd all scatter like roaches around the house. Right? To try to get their attention, right? Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Some of you are laughing because you did the same thing, right? Y'all grew up that way. 
And so what Jesus does is he takes a towel, wraps it around his waist, and he washes their dirty feet. Now, I don't want you to miss this because we can completely miss this in our society today. And I want to give you a little background. So it's going to get a little messy. Okay, so just put on, it's just going to get messy. I'm going to, be, I'm going to give you a total reality check of what's really going on here. So it's going to get messy. So let me give you the reality check here because I don't want you to miss this because this is something that we can just easily miss and, and, and we could think, well, maybe I could, I could wash someone's feet here because we've taken showers and we wear shoes, we wear socks. But I want you to tell you, it was not like that during Jesus's time. It was not like that in the first century. And if you do any kind of study on foot washing, it's very interesting why foot washing, in fact, becomes kind of a symbol within the church of humility. And there's a reason why foot washing became a part of a symbol of the church of humility and serving each other for a reason. Foot washing was the lowest of lowest servanthood types of jobs. In fact, many of you think, well, it was done for slaves. Not every slave washed feet. In fact, Rome had a law in some parts of Rome where slaves weren't even allowed to wash other people's feet. In fact, Many parts where slaves that were given this menial job of washing feet were the lowest of the low. These were the rebellious ones. These were the troublemakers. And so what they did is they reserved this role for them. This, was, this is going to make sense when you see what Jesus does here. This wasn't any slave. This was the lowest of the lowest, the troublemakers that washed the feet. Otherwise, everybody else just washed their own feet. So what do you got here? You got all these people there, you know, you got disciples, they're gathered around. Everybody's looking around. There's no servant there, the lowest of the low to wash their feet. So they just come in and their feet are filthy. But no one's doing it. No one's, no one's washing their own feet. They're looking around. I don't know if they're, whatever's going on, they're not doing it. And so Jesus uses this opportunity to show them what they needed to do. Now, I want you to understand the streets and how filthy the streets were. In fact, Rome passed a law that you could not throw your waist out a second story window. And the law was only for the day. You couldn't do it during the day because if, if a bystander is walking by and see most people, they, they used pot. I'm trying to be as G rate as possible here. So you just give me a little grace. Okay. Um, they would use pots to do their thing, do their business, okay? And where do you put that? Well, there's many places that didn't have any kind of sewerage or anything, any, any kind of ways that you could dispose of it. And what they did was they would just take it and throw it out their window into the street. And so you have a bypasser coming by. That's not a good place to be. And what happens is many people got hurt. Some people would get hurt. And so what Rome did was they passed a law that during the day you couldn't do this. And you could actually prosecute if you did get hit by something flying out the window. Now at night, they didn't enforce it. You were on your own. Because that person throwing it out couldn't see who's walking in the dark street. So you were on your own. So the last place you wanted to be was on a city street at night. And so think about it for a moment. You have these filthy streets, basically raw sewage in the streets. You have animals walking up and down the street. It's not tidy and clean like we have today. People had sandals, so on and so forth, that were open. I mean, you, you, just, you walked through this stuff. 
And so they come in and your feet are filthy. And so the, the symbolic thing of your feet became this symbolic thing of filthiness. Why did God ask Moses to remove his sandals at the burning bush? He did it because the sandal represented the filthiness of the world. Remove your sandals. You are now in the presence of God. This place is holy ground. So what does Jesus do? He washes their filthy feet. And I'm talking filthy feet. There's actually, in history, they actually tried to find anyone, anyone, any kind of authority figure, any kind of king, any kind of ruler, any kind of authority figure that actually washed someone else's feet. In all of history, they could not find one person who ever did it, except for Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Not one person would ever sink to that lowest of job, not even the disciples, because they understood it was reserved for the lowest of the lowest. And so what Jesus does is, he says, do you understand what I'm about to do for you? Now, does that make a little more sense now? Jesus says, you're, what I'm going to do, so, so this is going to kind of be like, whoa, what's Jesus doing here? Whoa. And so what Jesus is telling his disciples is this. If you are a follower of me, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is actually your calling. Your calling is to bow down and become a servant. That's your calling. My calling as a pastor here is to do what? To serve. Wherever you are, whatever you do, your calling is to serve one another. And so Jesus, he didn't come to be served, but he came to serve others. And I think we have a misunderstanding of serving. We look at serving as something we do. But Jesus is saying here is serving is actually who you are. Serving is actually your identity. We are servants of Christ. That's actually my identity. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul said that he was. I am this bond servant. I am Jesus's servant now. Paul got it. Listen, church, church, look at me here. Look at, listen, if you get this. If you understand this, it will change your life. When you understand what God has called you to, that he's called you to serve, it will change your identity from trying to run after things and performance and trying to be the best at everything to say, Lord, how can I serve? Because that's my calling. That's who I am. And when we serve others, we're ultimately serving Jesus. So remember that. Remember that when Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, guess whose feet he was washing? Judas, the very one who was going to betray him. And Jesus knew it full in advance. Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that his disciples were going to bail out on him. But yet Jesus chose to serve to show us that we don't get to pick and choose who we serve. Can I get a name then? I want to make sure you're with me. 
Because it's easy to serve those who are servable. Those who are lovable. Those who you know are going to give you a thank you note the next week. Right? But how about those people that don't deserve it? Do you think the disciples deserved it at that moment? No way. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. But Jesus chooses to serve them, to show them the greater way. When I realize what Christ did for me, when I realize this, this makes my heart grateful. And the life of Christ in me causes me to say, I have to serve. This is who I am now because of what Christ has done for me. I choose to serve. Make it personal here. I choose to serve, not because I'm forced to, but I willingly serve out of this gratitude for what Christ has done for me, and I can serve ungrateful people because I know that I'm ultimately serving who? Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to do this for you. I don't want to do this for this person because they are ungrateful, and I'm not going to get a thank you for this. I know what. But I'm going to do it anyways because I know I'm ultimately serving you, Jesus. And I'm doing this for you and for your glory. Doesn't that change your attitude a little bit when that happens? Somebody say amen. Okay, good. See, here's the thing. Jesus didn't have to serve his disciples, and frankly, they didn't deserve it. He served them despite knowing that they would desert him. So Jesus is getting nothing in return here, and he chooses to serve to show them the greater way. See, there are many reasons why we don't serve. And, and I want you to see from the word of God this reason. Because some people, we, we, I, I, I had this misconception when I was younger and I was first a follower of Jesus when I was a teenager and I would see everybody else serving. I thought the only person, people that God really uses are musicians because they're up here and I would see everybody that's on the platform, the teachers, the musicians, whatever. But I didn't see all the things that went behind the church at that time and all the Sunday school teachers and the children's church teachers and those that clean and those that run small groups and those that do Royal Rangers and all the kids ministry, and all these other, other things, those that are in the sound room, all these other things. I never saw any of that stuff and I didn't realize that that those are ways that you can serve to better and build up the body of Christ. I didn't see the people that were going to the hospitals. I didn't see the people that were making meals for those that had surgery or whatever it might be. I didn't see all that stuff. I only saw what was happening up here. And so I just thought to myself, well, God can't use me then. We may think, well, God can't because I'm too busy. Well, how many of you know we're all busy, right? We're all busy. And just remember that you always make time for what's important to you. You know, another reason why I think we don't serve and maybe serve in the church, let me use that for an example, is we may think, well, the church has all the workers it needs and I wouldn't be needed. That's the biggest myth that's in the church, that all the positions are filled. They aren't. They aren't. We need people to step up. Let me give you a little insight to living word. I want you to realize that this church runs on Dunkin' Donuts. No, I'm just teasing. We do serve Dunkin' Donuts, and you guys walk in with your Dunkin' Donuts. This church runs on those that serve. The majority of the things that happen here on Sunday morning are those that serve. Every single person on this 
worship team is serving. They all have other jobs. They're serving. They're serving. Eli, he's the, I think Eli was playing the bass. He, he just turned 18 today, by the way. Here's a teenager that says, he's a teenager, who says, I want to serve. In high school, I want to serve. And he's gifted at what he does, and he's allowing God to use him to serve in this way in the church. He's got other things. He's a student, but he volunteers, and he gives his gifts to the Lord to allow God to use that. See, I want you to realize that this is how this church runs. From our kids' ministry to greeters to community to someone preparing that sound worship, all volunteer week in and week out. We need people with computer skills to run everything that comes up on these screens. We need geeky people. We use geeks at our church. We love them. We all work for them, right? So let me give you the deeper meaning here as we just shut this down. Let, let me give you the deeper meaning here. Of, of, let me just give you the real beneath the deeper meaning of what's going on here as we just shut this, this message down as we pray and give you an opportunity to respond. See, as a servant of Christ, I, I've, I have to come to this conclusion in my life. Because this is what Jesus showed the disciples. And this we're going to bring it full circle about saying that the, the, the slaves that served were the lowest of the lowest, even of the slave caliber. As a servant of Christ, there should be nothing beneath us that I would say, I can't do that. I, I've got to get to that point. Amen? I've got to get to that point where I say, because if Jesus did the, the lowest of the low and he did this, then there's, if, if Jesus sunk to that level to, to serve and to show us with him, then there's nothing that, that I can't do for Christ. See, if I'm truly saved by God's grace, then there's nothing that Jesus cannot ask of me at that point. So what Jesus does is he washes their filth off their feet. And I believe what Jesus is showing at that moment as he's washing the filth off their feet, Jesus is showing us that he is going to die for our filth. That Jesus himself is going to take the weight of our sin and our filth upon himself and cleanse us and wash us so that we can now be his servant. Isn't that good? That's how good God is. That's how much he cares for us. Why is this so crucial? Why is servanthood so crucial? Why do I need to understand that Jesus washes my filth? Because it's so crucial that I become a servant because it reveals my heart. Because if we want to become like Jesus, we must be willing to serve like Jesus. And this is humility. When I understand what Jesus did for me, it breaks my pride it breaks what I want to do, and it causes me to become humble. And when you serve, because how many know we can serve with a haughty spirit? We can serve with pride. Look at what I've done, right? And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to be there. I don't want you to live there. The way I want you to live is that when you serve, I want you to serve with the mindset of what I've done for you and serve with humility and gladness that this is my joy to do for you, Jesus. And whatever you ask me to do, I will do it out of joy 
because I love you and what you've done for me. It changes everything. Not because I have to, not under compulsion, but I want to do it because I love you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And when you serve out of humility, God is most glorified through you. This means whatever you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do. I had someone come up to me this, this summer, at the beginning of the summer. It was when we were in the process of hiring a new um, assistant pastor, family pastor, and, and, and Pastor Brandon. And so there was you know, a couple of months where we were without a pastor, and basically I almost died. No, I'm just teasing. My hair was falling out. It was just a scene. And um, there was a guy that just came up to me and said, Pastor, I know, I know that you're without an assistant pastor. What can I do to help you? After he pulled me off out of the ground and lifted me up. And I said, can I tell you what we really need done? We're getting so much rain that we've just, you know, we've got people that do a wonderful job uh, doing a lot of our gardening and, and keeping, I appreciate those people so much, but it's so massive now because of the weeds, because we're getting, would you mind uh, pulling weeds? He goes, I would love to. Every Thursday he would come two to three hours, and it seemed like every Thursday it was humid and 90 or 80 degree. It was just, and he'd be just sweating, and he'd be out there pulling weeds, trimming the driveway on his hands and knees. And one time I just looked out there, and I just said, thank you, Lord, for that person. There's a million other things he could be doing on Thursday, but he chooses to come here. This is his day off. He chooses to come here for a couple hours a week just to serve in pulling weeds. I got to tell you what his job was too, because he has, he has a, he's very well educated and I remember one Wednesday, I, I saw one of our national girls workers. It was during the, the bug season, stomach bug season. You know where this is going next, right? Young little girl, just all over the hallway. And I see one of our national girls ministry leaders on her knees cleaning up puke. Didn't wait for someone else to do it. Just says, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll clean it up. After I was over in the corner going, you know, <laughs> I, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I love catching people picking up paper as they walk into church. I've seen it multiple times where I'll be looking out my window and I'm like, what is that person doing? And they're looking around and I go, oh, there must be change or something. And you know, cause that would be me. And they're down and they're picking up a piece of paper that they saw. See, the question is how many of you want to be blessed? Cause that's what Jesus said. You'll be blessed if you do these things. And that's exactly what Jesus said to them after he washed their feet. Verse 17, Jesus says, and now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So let me finish here. Let me, let me pray with you and let me give you some action steps here. And I'm, I'm hoping this message just sits in your spirit. Maybe you're here today and and maybe you're not serving, or maybe you've been 
been out of commission for a while, serving in the body of Christ. Here's what I want to ask you today. Where is God calling you? Where is God calling you? And you say, you know, Pastor, I've been coming to church for a while, and I love coming to church, but I, I, just, don't, I, I just don't know where I would fit in. I don't know what, what I could do. Let me just ask you this question. Where is God? Ask him. Ask him, where, where is God calling you? And I remember asking that, that, that same question when I was young. And I remember going up to my youth pastor and saying, where can you use me? He goes, Barton, where I could use you is I just want you to sit with the new kids that come into youth group. That's your job. I'm like, I can do that. I don't think I can mess that up. I can do that. I will sit with new kids that come in and invite them and thank them for coming to youth group. So I was, I was, the, I was the person you sat with when you came in. Whether you, did, whether you liked it or not, you're going to sit with me. So you're new. Hey, come sit with me. Some people liked it. Some people ran away from me. But they said, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good gig. It was something that I knew I could do. What is God calling you to do? And if you're already serving at the church, let me just say thank you. And, 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 and thank you for serving. I appreciate that. Thank you. Because I know this church could not exist without people giving their life to the Lord and serving. I want to thank you. But ask yourself this. Who is God calling me to invite to serve alongside of me? Wouldn't it be cool if you're, if you're serving and say, hey, I know some of you here, and, and just say, hey, why don't you help me? Would you help me and serve alongside of me? Invite somebody to serve alongside of you. And here are ways that you can serve. Here are ways that you can serve. What we've done is you walked in, you saw we have tables set up in the lobby. And what we're going to do is we're going to shift those tables in front of the door so you can't get out until you stop and sign up. Okay, so we're just going to do that. We do that all the time. It's our sneaky way of doing it. And uh, what we do is these are ministries in our church. I think every ministry in our church is crucial. And there are some things that are once in a while, but then there are other things that are more needed, uh, that, that are ongoing, that we really need helping week in and week out. And, and, and we have those ministries set up. And, and some of you are like, man, I don't know if I could do some of those. And, and I believe that you take that step of faith and allow God to use you, he will. And sometimes it's just taking that step of faith to say, God, just use me in this area to realize that it's all about building up your kingdom. It's all about building up your kingdom. And I just want, I, I, can't, I can't tell you enough that we would not exist as a church if it wasn't for those who were called to serve. We would not exist as this church if, you were, if people didn't stand up and say, God, use me. Where, where can you use me within the body of Christ? And here are ways that you can serve. So out in the lobby, we have tables where you can learn more. But here are the biggest needs where you can help to make a difference. And we have a whole plethora of things. But one of the areas is like in our, in our Living Word Caves, there's nursery kids church on 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 sunday on sunday morning wednesday with our boys ministry it's royal rangers it's kind of like boy scouts and our national girls ministry which is very similar to girl scouts all biblically based those are we always need teachers for those and we need godly men that are going to be an example to our our young boys and and so many are gifted in so many areas and it's like you know they they teach 
the Royal Rangers how to shoot a bone arrow. And some of you are like, man, I know how to do that. I could help them with that. You know, there's all these different things that, that you could be helping to be an example. We have um, youth group on Wednesday nights. And some of you are thinking, there is no way I would ever step in to the youth group on Wednesday night. Well, let me just share your story. We have a youth worker. She is my age. She's young like me. And she wanted to volunteer to help. And, and this person thought they were going to go in and help with the sound. But something's got mixed up where she ended up getting thrown in to the youth ministry. And now she's been helping for two, three years with the youth group. And, and, that, and that's Orla. I, lo- I love Orla. Many of you know Orla. And she's helping with the youth group. What I love about Orla is, is, is help, not only helping with the young people and, and God using her in a place that she thought she could never be used. But what I love is when I walk on Sunday morning, Orla stands at the door as you walk into the gym where the youth meet, and she bakes cookies. So when the kids walk in, they're like, so where am I going the first place on Wednesday? I'm going to the youth group. Get some cookies, right? Simple little things like that would say, God, I never thought you could use me there, but thank you for, for, for doing this. We, th- th- there's there's a, a, a place that, that, that is a really great needed ministry just on Sunday morning. Those are first impressions when, when new people walk in. And there's these first impressions that they have in our church. Those are, those are hospitality where, where people just, where do I go? Where do I take my kids? How do I sign my kids in um, to the kids' ministry? And these are, uh, these are hospitality people that take people over to the Welcome Center and say, hey, are you new? Let, let me have you fill out this connection card. Let me give you a gift mug and a gift card for you. Thank you for coming. These are hospitality. We need greeters, people that stand out there. They're handing out the bulletins, people that walk in the door, greeting them. I would love to have people out in the parking lot. Huh? Did you, anybody see that? Did you like that? A little something different. Wasn't that good? I love it. See, now you knew what the message was. We gave you a little preview of the message, right? These are all little things that, that just God wants to use. Ushering, we need, we need ushers. We, uh, people at our welcome center, people to check in our kids, um, there's so many different things. We, on our worship team, we need gifted musicians. Highlight on gifted, okay? I know many of you can do things, but gifted, okay? We will try you out, and we may say, this isn't your calling, but we'll find some place for you, okay? But we need gifted musicians that, that have a gifting in, in, in voice and instruments. And, and these guys do a great job, don't they? Our worship team does a great job. Amen for them. Praise God for worship team. We need, as I said before, we need people in our, in our sound room and we need those geeks, how to, how to run that sound and, and the computer. And, and we definitely need help in those areas. And this is what I would say to you. Can you imagine, could you imagine the needs that would be met in our church if we would just say to ourselves, what if I just gave an hour a week to the body of Christ? Mm. I think something special would really happen here. I really believe that. If we could just say, God, let me just take this time and really pray about what can I do to better the body of Christ. So my prayer for you today is that you would not grow weary in doing good. 
And, and, and I want those that have been served. There, let me just say this. For those of you that have been serving for a long time and that, and that have been serving in the body of Christ, you get tired. You can grow weary. And there's nothing more exciting than when other people are coming along and coming along and standing beside you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be here. It, it like lights a fire in the church when new people come. It's like, it's like the military and you've got a fresh group of people coming in to help, to help do the fight, right? And so let, let's ask God, God, where are you calling me? And so what I want to do is I want to pray. I want to pray for you today and just ask the Lord, where, where can I serve? And what we're going to do is we have, we have um, people positioned out in the tables, peruse the tables, and, and just sign up doesn't mean you're locked into a prison term, okay? Signing up means you're just saying, I'm interested in this, and I want to know more about this, and our leaders will respond to that and help you and to, to do that and to find a place that, that we can find. So peruse the tables. They're there for you to do that, and uh, we want to give you time to do that as we, as we release you today. Amen? Amen. So I want you to pray. I want you to bow your hearts with me, and we're going to close in prayer. We're going to, we're going to let you go in, into the narthex and to be able to, to peruse the tables and just to fellowship with one another. So why don't you pray? Why don't you bow your hearts with me, and let's ask God to move in our midst. Lord, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your people. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're so good. I want to thank you, Lord, that, that God, um, you showed us the example of what it means to serve. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the emblem of our heart as we look at Jesus and what he's done for us, that, God, we would, we would be the ones that would say, where can I serve? What can I do, Jesus? Use me wherever you can so that your body may be built up, that people may be served, that Jesus might be glorified in our midst. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way and the example of the way to God's heart and the way to truly be blessed. And it's those that take the least seat. It's those that are last. It's those that serve. Thank you for showing that to us. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you, and I love you, and I praise you. And so just... For, for, for us here today, I pray you would encourage us just to take that step to be used by you to show us where you want us to be placed so that your kingdom may be built up and that Jesus Christ may be glorified. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's thank God.